Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matty, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. Looking forward to a great weekend. Yeah, we got a big weekend. Soldier Field, you'll be there, Matt, playing Notre Dame. Excited about uh, heading back to Chicago? I am excited to tailgate once again. All right. Well, uh... We have a very special guest today. Uh, we are joined by the Rivals Godfather himself, uh, my friend, Mike Farrell. Mike, thanks for uh, spending a little bit of time with us here today. No problem. It, it, it should be a good game, very good game. Yeah, we're excited about that, and we're going to hop right into talking about this big matchup. But before we do that, uh, we want to remind you guys that we are indeed presented by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season, both college and pro. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the football action this season. Uh, with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything college football. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. To get it, use the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm Al Simon, 91 years young. I created Balance 7 20 years ago. I don't believe God intended for us to be old and sick. For 10 years, I studied pH and how important it is to the immune system. No doctor or hospital can do what Balance 7 can do for you. Balance 7 is the key to unlocking a healthy immune system. In three days' time, you'll feel more energy, less joint discomfort, and clarity of thinking. Bring your body back to balance. Order now and receive free shipping and a free bottle of my skin. Use the code word AL. Mike, uh, you've transitioned doing a lot more college football these days for rivals. We all know about Kyle Hamilton. He's, you know, by far and away the best player on this Notre Dame squad, the safety. Uh, tell us a little bit more about him. Give us a little scouting report on him and then some other guys we should be looking out for on this Notre Dame defense. He was a guy that was sort of slept on a little bit early in the recruiting process out of Atlanta. Um, you know, a lot of the SEC schools didn't go after him early. Notre Dame uh, obviously targeted him based on, academics and, and many other standings. And he was a great fit for them. Um, you know, we had him as a three-star. I remember looking at him, uh, felt he should be a four. He was in our rivals 250. He actually moved up into the top 100 by the end of it all. He's one of those guys where had we had a couple more evaluations, he would have kept moving up into the five-star range. Great range, uh, vision, football instincts, ball skills, he could hit. Uh, he's one of those guys who, who runs down plays that you don't expect safety to run down and, and make plays on the football where it looks like he's out of position. Awesome. Yeah. So, so who are some other guys on the defense that the Badgers should be aware of, especially in, in obviously the Badgers big run team, big in the running game. Who are the guys either like up front at the linebacker position that are going to be, you know, going head to head with the Badgers assembly of tailbacks? Well, it's, it's going to be important for Notre Dame to be good up front. I mean, that's, that's always important for them when they're talking about trying to, you know, stop a Wisconsin run, uh, run heavy offense. Isaiah Foskey is a kid that's really impressed me. He's six foot five, 260 pound 
And, um, you know, he's, he's really come into his own as far as a pass rusher uh, with that size, but he's done a better job this year of getting involved in the run, uh, you know, sort of stretching the play out, allowing people to run and make plays, taking up some blockers. Uh, you got Nana Sofa Mensa, big defensive lineman, um, undersized defensive lineman, but, but plays bigger than that. Howard Cross, uh, interior tackle, where they kind of lack, and Myron Tagavaloa Mosa is also a, a tremendous interior defensive lineman, where, where they kind of lack to me is that linebacker. Um, and I think that's where, if they get to the second level, if Wisconsin can get to the second level, they can make some, some hay in the run game. Um, and if those offensive linemen can get to the second level, um, and they, they run a lot of, you know, pulls and, and maybe outside traps or, or, or even, even sweeps, I think they can get outside and, and those linebackers are not big. Uh, they're not super fast. Uh, and, and the secondary is solid, uh, but you really have a lot of problems up front with that defensive line because they're very active, very short too. Um, and I know that sounds dumb, but they play with such great leverage. I mean, it's really hard to get these guys on the ground. Do you, do you think that they're better than like a Penn state caliber defense or defensive front? Uh, that's a tough one. Cause Penn state obviously losing uh, two key pass rushers this year. I didn't think would be as good as they are. Um, they've had some guys step right in. The linebackers are much more athletic uh, at Penn State, so they can cover up for any sort of lack of, of interior defense. Um, I would give the Notre Dame defensive line the edge, um, especially with Foskey as a pass rusher emerging. But I would say Penn State's linebackers are better. And then you've got a very similar secondary. You know, you got Brisker leading the way for Penn State, and you've got Hamilton leading the way. Um, Hamilton's longer, rangier a little bit faster, brisker, a little bit more physical. So uh, what, what Wisconsin had trouble with to me was dominating uh, in the trenches uh, against the Penn State team that was not a great defensive line. So I'm worried a little bit about how they're going to do against a better defensive line in Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm an offensive guy, so that's all I worry about. I, I don't, I'm not worried about Notre Dame's offense tremendously uh, there are some certain things that I definitely am but how do you how do you see like what would your if you could give anyone some advice on Wisconsin like the coaches what would you say like guys attack this area you know if I'm Notre Dame again it depends on the skill set I have in my offense I, I don't have great wide receivers at Notre Dame I've got a massive tight end uh, and I've got another talented tight end as well that I can use down the seam um, I've got a pretty good offensive line and I've got a running back that's about five foot nine and is a little bowling ball that's hard to tackle. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm going at them uh, as physically as possible. A lot of my stuff is going to be in the middle of the field. Uh, I'm going to get mayor, you know, off a block and try to get him in the middle of the field. I'm not going to try the vertical passing game against them. And I'm also going to bring in Tyler Buckner in certain situations to really mess with the the defensive scheme of Jim Leonard, which, you know, when you bring in a statue like Jack Cohn, right, who's a solid passer, uh, not great, not bad game manager, can do all those things that you want to do as far as checkdowns and, and middle of the field work. And then you bring in a Buckner who can run, um, it's going to set them off balance. So I'm going power football. 
And I think Wisconsin is going to do the same thing, which is why I don't know what the over is, but if it's a high number, take the under on this one, because it's going to be a fist fight. Yeah, that's definitely what it feels like. You talked about that Notre Dame offensive line. Now, they've had some injuries there. They started, I think, uh, the true freshman Blake Fisher in their opener against Florida State, but he's been out with injuries since. They're starting a Carmody now uh, at left tackle. Um, who are some of these other guys? I mean, Kane Madden's a transfer. I forget where he came over from. I want to say like Marshall or something. Marshall. Like, yeah, yeah, Marshall. Marshall. Um, you know, and one of the things that Wisconsin and Notre Dame, the two two of the Midwest powerhouses that are always like recruiting against each other for these offensive linemen, right? I mean, they they're, they seem to be in a half dozen offensive line recruiting battles with each other every single year. I mean, this past year, Rocco Spindler was the big one that they were both after. Tell us a little bit more about this offensive line, starting with Carmody, who was a 2020 kid who I think was a Rivals 250 guy. Yeah, I don't think it's a great offensive line, and I don't think Wisconsin's a great offensive line. I don't think these are your typical Wisconsin-Notre Dame offensive lines. I still think they're going to play to the strengths of their football team, which is you know play physical, run the football, and work off of that. Um, but you, know, you, you don't have an elite uh Ronnie Stanley here, you know, as a tremendous left tackle that's going to keep your guy clean all the time. Um, you don't have a McGlinchey. You certainly don't have a, a, a Quentin Nelson who's just destroying people in the middle. They've got serviceable guys, but but Carmody can be beaten uh, around the edge. Um, and they get overwhelmed a little bit on blitz packages too. Their assignments uh based on what I've saw against Florida State and some other teams they get a little wonky when you come at them. Um, so, you know, if I'm, if I'm Wisconsin, I'm trying to get as much pressure as possible and I'm bringing it from as many different directions to confuse this defense. I mean, Jarrett Patterson was obviously the, the, the most well-known offensive lineman in this group. Uh, Kane Madden was a big time transfer, uh, but you know, stubby, he's, he's six foot one and a half, not a great athlete, but a good run blocker. Uh, but this isn't, an elite offensive line. What Kyron Williams does is he gets a lot of yards after contact and he's so small. I mean, he's thick, but he's short and small that he can fit in spaces. Um, so you really got to be very good about your lane assignments and, and I think confuse them with multiple blitz packages. So Mike, the only thing that concerns me, I totally agree with you. Multiple blitz packages confused the O-line. It looked like Purdue was able to get a lot of pressure. And I think Jack, if he's able to have time, he's very good at throwing the football. If he's not, I don't think he's great at getting outside. He's not to me like that tremendous rollout guy. I'm only nervous is he took like 10 shots downfield and some of he overthrew the wide receivers. Some, some of those guys were kind of open. So Mm. concern is the big play potential versus a blitz package. Yeah, like we saw against Penn State. You know, I mean, obviously, and again, I mean, they should have been. Jahan Dotson was wide open uh, multiple times uh, yeah. against uh, Wisconsin, where he should have just walked into the end zone. And, and Sean Clifford wasn't able to get that ball delivered properly. And, and Clifford and Cohn are similar quarterbacks to me. I mean, they, they their accuracy is solid. They, they don't they don't have a great strong arm, but they can make downfield throws, but they'll still throw head scratchers at you. I mean, a guy will be five yards wide open and they'll overthrow him or they'll miss a pass or underthrow. I, I wouldn't worry as much if I'm Wisconsin, uh, the big plays from Notre Dame. John Dotson is a different 
animal than than anybody we're talking about here. Avery Davis right. is a you know he's a he's a converted quarterback. He's a solid wide receiver. Kevin Austin's a big physical kid. Uh, you know he's finally emerging. They don't have anybody that's as sudden as him, and they don't really have anybody as good as Parker Washington. It was number two wide receiver for Penn State. So you, you're going to have to take a gamble someplace. I would much rather from Wisconsin take a gamble at beat, not being beaten outside uh, by a not overly fast group of wide receivers than I would, you know, letting them dictate pace, run the football. And I would get a safety, uh, not spying so much, but keep an eye on 87 because that's the guy that Cone relies on the most and he's most comfortable with. And, and he's just such a big kid that it's very, very difficult to cover him. Um, and after the catch, he's dangerous too. So focus on 87 and let your guys outside do their thing because these aren't great wide receivers. Yeah. You just talk about Michael Mayer, the tight end. And, you know, people are talking about him as probably tight end one for the draft coming up next year. You know, I, I don't disagree with that. He's been, he's been, he's not great. even eligible. That's what's scary. Oh, he's not. Oh, I guess he, he's going to be 23 draft. And he should be pro right now. Yeah. He's, he's a freak. Everyone calls him baby Gronk. Taking yes, I, call Car- him, I call him Gronk too. Yeah, Gronk too. Not, no baby here. He's is, a he, is, is Gronk the the comp for him? Is there anyone else that you, you could see as, as a comp for him? Yeah. He's the comp. I mean, you know, Gronk in high school was much, much bigger than Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer, when he got to Notre Dame, was just just got huge. He, he got bigger and bigger. Gronk was offensive line sized, maybe about 260, and he blocked a whole lot in high school. He even transferred high schools his senior year to go to Western PA. And they used him as a blocker. Um, and, you know, Mayer is a much better pass catcher at the same stage. Uh, so, you know, Gronk is definitely the comparison. They got the same number. Obviously, Mayer grew up wanting to be Gronk. Um, that's a special tight end right there. The one thing that concerns me is the drops. He can drop passes. He had drops last year. He had a big drop earlier this season against Florida State. He, he sometimes loses focus, but... He's unstoppable because of his size and strength and speed um, that he's, he's going to catch eight balls. You just got to make sure that he catches eight for 50 and not eight for 150. All right. So fill in the blank for me. Wisconsin wins this game. If blank. They can run the football. Um, you know, that's going to be the key. Obviously they got Malusi as their, their number one guy there. They, they can't rely. Uh, unfortunately, on Graham Mertz to win this football game. I don't think Notre Dame can rely on Jack Cohn to win this football game. I think whoever gets out in front, um, whoever establishes power football and establishes the line of scrimmage is going to win this game in, in an ugly uh, 17, 13 fashion, something similar to that, maybe 24, 17, uh, but they have to run the football. Graham Mertz was a guy who I really thought based on scouting him in high school and seeing him in all the camps, watching him in, in, in every setting possible was going to be a guy who was a difference maker in this offense, as far as they can open things up finally. And he looked that way in his first game. He hasn't looked that way since. And I don't trust him to look that way against the Notre Dame defense that has that guy in Hamilton, where if you make one mistake to his side of the field, uh, it's a turnover. So they have to run the football and be the more physical football team. Like when you, when you are looking at these guys, right. And you're talking about Graham Mertz. He's a five-star Wisconsin never gets these guys. What's what is like the percentage of, of sometime they just don't pan out. 
uh, he was a four star for us. Um, I don't, I don't know if he ended up being in the composite five star or if he was five star for someone else. Four stars are different. Now, five stars, they can, you know, there's issues where they don't pan out. I made Kellen Mond a, a five star and he ended up being a third round pick and a very good college quarterback, but that's not a first rounder. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, five stars panned out, you know, first round draft picks, franchise quarterbacks at the next level. Um, but quarterbacks are so difficult to gauge. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks this year in college football, uh, Matt Corral was a five. We dropped him to four because of some off field issues. Uh, he got dropped by USC. I think Florida dropped him too. And he ended up at Ole Miss and it's perfect fit for him, but all the talent in the world for a five star, but off field issues of four. Um, but then you look at these other guys. I mean, Carson strong, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, two guys that weren't recruited that heavily. And, and the guys that were like Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell and others, you know, are struggling to start this football season. So quarterback is the hardest position to evaluate. There's a lot of guys that don't make it um, and don't pan out to our expectations. Uh, and then cornerback is the second most difficult to scout. But um, Graham Mertz doesn't mean he's a bust. Um, he's still got plenty of career left. I mean, Jack Cohn was a four star. Okay, but there's a lot of four-star quarterbacks. It really depends on how high we have them rated. We had Mertz up near the five-star range, and we had him in a discussion as a five-star. So he's been disappointing in that respect. If he was back where Cone was, I'd say, okay, you know, we got to wait and see. Um, but Graham Mertz was supposed to be much, much better than he is right now. But yeah. do, you think it's, do you think Go it's ahead, pressure? Man. Do you think it's just the pressure? Yeah, I, I think what happens is with certain quarterbacks, and this is something you can never really tell, I think they start thinking too much. Um, you know, Bui Ongalele at Clemson is a great example. Last year he came out there replacing Trevor Lawrence in Notre Dame's game and, and the Clemson game and just winged it, right? Their arms was wide open. It was set for Trevor Lawrence. They just threw him in there and said, have fun. He had two great games. This season, the offense is geared towards him, and he's thinking, and everything's slow, and he's meticulous in his reads. Uh, he's in on guys, um, and, and he's indecisive. And I think what you saw with Mertz was his first game, it was like, go have fun, do what you usually do. And then when he started to struggle, and he had some issues, obviously, COVID and injuries and stuff like that, he started to think too much. It's not a physical issue with Graham Mertz at all. Um, it's definitely mental. And, and I also think it's a difficult offense for a quarterback to run these days because these kids all grow up in a spread. You know, they're all in shotgun with five wide receivers in high school. There, there are no pro-style offenses. There are no power running games. Uh, so when you go to an offense like that, it's a great advantage for you because it keeps the, the defense off balance. But also, you're not going to have as many targets out there to throw to. I mean, they go four wide, and that's about it. And he just doesn't have as many options as I think he's used to, so he's thinking too much. Mike, I like that you said that because I am not on – I like Rammerts. I've liked him from the start. I think he's he's an athlete, and I think we've had guys that have been like him. Yes, everyone compared him to Russell Wilson, but if you take a step back – like. To me, he's like a Brooks Bollinger also. Like, he can get out of the pocket. I It doesn't look like he's having that much fun on the field. And I think it's it's exactly what you said. It's just too much thinking and not just going out and playing the game of football. 
Well, and there's more to college football these days or has been, um, you know, and people, I, I put something in my three point stance today that name image likeness is, is potentially having an effect on quarterbacks. And of course my co-host who's, you know, 20 years younger than me laughed and laughed and laughed and said, that's crazy. It's stupid that, you know, and that's fine, but there's a focus that's required. And I'm not saying that Merch is thinking about whatever that deal was he announced, or if he's thinking about signing autographs next weekend, or if he's thinking about this, that, and the other deal that's coming down the road. Um, you've also got the transfer portal. And I know Graham Merch isn't thinking about the transfer portal, but it's still one of those things that's out there that's being discussed and how you juggle your, your roster. Uh, he doesn't know Chez Malusi. You know, he, he does now, but he didn't. They didn't come in together. So there's so many different things now that quarterbacks have to deal with, I think, that are distractions that can lead to not lack of preparation, but sort of a lack of confidence and just going out and having fun. College football is a business, and it's never been more clear than last year when we had college football during COVID, and nobody cares. They weren't student athletes. They were athletes, period. You're playing. We don't care about your safety go. And this year with name image likeness, they're pros. And with the transfer portal, they're free agents. So now we've got pro football and a lot of these kids have a lot more to juggle than, than we've ever had before. We can talk about this at a different time. I'm not a fan of the transfer portal. I mean, for some guys, it really works out, but to me, it's just, if you're just not happy over something, you can just leave. And I don't know. I'm not, a, I, there has to be a time, you know, you can't do it 365 days a year. There has to be a dead period for it. There has to be a time where you can do it and can't do it. You can't just jump in the portal after every weekend. Well, I mean, um, speaking of that, like Wisconsin had a, had a freshman tailback jump in the portal two days yesterday on Monday, I think. Like, you know, and it's it, Lynn J. Dixon today for Clemson. We're recording on a Tuesday. Lynn J. Yeah. Dixon, who's the starting tailback to start the year. Now he's been jumped on the depth chart. He gets mad about it and he jumps into the portal. At yeah. Clemson, and to me, you know, obviously, like, the three of us are all of, uh, we are not 18, 19 years old, but, you know, it, it's just like, where is the, I mean, where I, I'm going to sound like, you know, old man, get off my lawn, where's the camaraderie, where's the team spirit, where is, f you know, fighting back for that, like, are you just going to really go quit on, quit on your team like that? So I don't and, know. It, and, and you are, and that's the way it is nowadays. And that's fine. Listen, you know, I get that you have to do it before four games, right? Cause you don't want to lose a year of eligibility. So now's the time where you start to see kids jump in because they played three games and they're like, listen, I'm not going to go beyond my four games, but we see guys, you know, missing the bowl games first, you know, that was Fournette and McCaffrey after Jalen Smith got hurt. And that makes sense. And it didn't hurt their draft status. Then entire seasons and COVID was a nice excuse for that um, for some people. And it didn't hurt their draft status. We're going to see players skip their entire year. You know, Michael Mayer is a guy who I doubt would do it but because you go to Notre Dame for different reasons than just football. But if you get a Michael Mayer uh, who's let's say, arrogant and thinks he's great and knows he's going to be a first rounder and, you know, has that knuckleheadness about him that a certain other tight end in the same class has that I'm not going to name, um, you know, he could sit out of here, you know, it, or you can mail it in. I mean, Stingley was mailing it in the first couple of games at LSU. 
And then he got criticized for it and he decided to play. Clowney mailed it in near the end of the season. Boza got injured and says, I'm done. It just, it's happening more and more. And, and I'm not, you know, screaming about it, but it's just the way it is nowadays. And, and these guys have to protect their, their, you know, future endeavors. Uh, but now they're juggling current endeavors because, okay, so let's say a company's paying him X amount of money to promote something now, but he's going to get millions in the NFL, which does he serve right now? And there's a lot of confusion about that. Yeah, that's I mean, that, that's a really good point. And then do we see NIL thinks, well, OK, so you're skipping on the rest of the season. We're not going to pay you for, you know, the deal. You're in violation. You're in breach of contract with that company because and it, it just gets it gets messier and messier and messier. Um, I want to ask you, I want to I want to move a little bit more towards recruiting right now of, you know, you've been at Rivals for like 23 years now, something like that. You've been there for a long time. I think you're the longest tenured employee at Rivals. In your time there, who is not necessarily the best, who is your favorite recruit that ended up at Wisconsin? Oh, that's a good one. I'd say Clay, the running back. John um, Clay. Yeah, and because the, the, just the way he – he was like back in the day of the, you know, prior to the Derrick Henry's where he was a tall running back and a big running back and had no business playing running back and was so good at playing running back. And he was so insistent about on playing it. Um, and, and everybody said, listen, you're too, you're too tall. You're too high. You're too upright, blah, blah, blah. Um, I really like the the fact that he stuck to his guns and, and did that. Derrick Henry did the same thing. I mean, you know, Florida recruited him as a defensive player. I told him he was a defensive end. He said, you know, screw all you guys. I'm a running back and I'm going to be good at it. Now, Clay didn't obviously pan out as, as well as Derrick Henry did, but he was a guy that really stuck to um, what he was doing. There's others. I mean, obviously living near New Jersey, you know, the, the Corey Clement world, uh, you know, the, the Jonathan Taylors of the world are of interest to me because those guys, they, they get a lot of local interest, but they're South Jersey guys. And, when I grew up in this business, North Jersey was it. South Jersey was garbage and nobody cared. You set records down there. So what? And you see the numbers Jonathan Taylor put up and you're like, well, this kid's really, really good. And he goes out and proves it at Wisconsin. Whereas some schools didn't even recruit him that heavily because, well, he's not at Bergen. There's not a Bosco. There's not one of those massive programs there. So some of the Jersey guys as well for me over the years. And, and you know, a little shout out to my hometown, Antage Hawthorne. Uh, not hometown, but home state of Connecticut. I always love it when Connecticut guys sort of matriculate onto bigger programs that are out of state because um, it's fun to follow. Well, Shaughnessy's a Connecticut guy, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah, Shaughnessy. Yeah, they recruit Connecticut sparingly, but well. They got a fr- um, they got a freshman this year, uh, Skylar Bell at wide receiver from Connecticut it's a, too. It's an interesting state, you know, because now UConn's horrendous. Nobody wants to go there. UConn under Randy Essel when they were good tried to hide everybody. Syracuse before them used to get all the good kids. Then Penn State started stealing them, but then you started seeing programs come in nationally. And, and cherry picking kids, you know, like Aaron Hernandez at Florida and so on. Um, it's, it's really interesting to see how some of these guys pan out and, and that gets recruited. But 
it's not really a great trip. It's a all state, but you come in here, there's one international airport, you land at Windsor, you have to either drive three hours down south to Southern Connecticut, where most of the town is, or you drive up to Massachusetts. And it's just not conducive to seeing 20 schools in a day. Whereas you could go to Coral Gables or, you know, Dade and Broward and see 40 schools and 150 division one kids. So you got to pick them right, but uh, they've done a good job of that. Yeah, they absolutely have. Uh want to talk to you quickly about uh, the quarterback they've signed for this year, Miles Burkett uh, for the, for the upcoming cycle. Uh, he is an in-state kid who they seem reluctant to give an offer to at first, but then you know, he's sort of their fallback option. They, they struck out on some of the bigger names. They, they're going with Burkett. He's a very different style of than your typical Wisconsin quarterback. He is the kind of the antithesis of Joel Stave, from, uh, which is sort of who I think of as like the prototypical Wisconsin quarterback. Uh, what do you see in Burkett? And do you, do you think, do you, is there upside there? There is. Just, he's, like you said, he's not a fit for what they do. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. I mean, he, he passed for 1,800 yards, ran for 540 as a sophomore. And, um, you could see that dual threat ability. He's not tall. Um, his arm is strong, but he's not overly accurate. Um, and he's not consistent. He's six foot one. So, I mean, listen, they had Russell Wilson. He did pretty good. You, you, have, to be, you have to be Russell Wilson to be that good. Um, and, and this kid is probably you know, more in that skill set than he is in your typical Wisconsin quarterback skill set. So he's going to have to get better as a downfield passer. Um, you know, he's an in-state kid. They like him, obviously, and, and he could play another position if he had to. Uh, but it's a little surprising based on the momentum that they had in recruiting that they did decide on him um, because I think there were other guys that they might have been stuck in there a little longer with. Um, and, and the recruiting class last year was so good that this year it's been a little bit of a disappointment that they haven't capitalized on that momentum. Yeah, for sure. All right, Mike, we'll get you out of here on this uh, score prediction for this weekend against Notre Dame. Who's going to win and why? All right. Well, neutral field, so to speak, obviously, uh, I think it'll be a, a good representative of both crowds there. Uh, Notre Dame is more used to playing in Chicago. Uh, got a little bit of more of a following and backing there, but I don't think there's a home field advantage. I think this comes down to who can run at, at the football and who can make less mistakes. I'm going to say Notre Dame wins 20 to 17 in a, in a tight one that comes down to a last field goal. And that's if they use Buckner properly to keep Wisconsin off balance. All right. Well, Badger fans may not want to hear that, but I, I feel like that's... Well, I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. So <laughs> I, I'm not always. Not always. Wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm always wrong when it comes to that. Like I, I, I you know, I, I dip my toe in gambling because it's fun, right? And legal. I suck. I'm horrible. So the only thing I can tell you is, is, is if that over under is 42, take the under. I don't know who's going to win, but I, I feel Notre Dame by a field goal. All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much. You guys can check out all of Mike's work over on Rivals.com, uh, on Twitter at Rivals Mike, Instagram at Rivals Godfather. And uh, Mike, uh, until next time, thanks again for hopping on with us. Yeah, with a heavy assist from you, of course, my, uh, my go-to graphics guy. Yeah, I do what I can.
Well, do what I can. Mike. That's, that's I why I'll do the podcast that. anytime you want me to. Oh, all right. It. Well, uh, you, you know, I, I'm going to, uh, take you up on that more often, more often than not. So, all right, guys, make sure to check out Mike over on rivals.com and Matt and I will be back here in a couple minutes. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Right, no problem. We'll Appreciate it. All right. Bye. See you. Bye. So as some of you guys already know, our podcast is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport that we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Head on over to the website PlayActionPools.com and sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select 10 of the highest profile games each week between the NFL and college football whoever gets the most picks correct every week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of dc shoes again go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest believe that's b-l-e-a-v football pick up and if you plan on hosting your own football contests head on over to playactionpools.com today they've got survivor pick them as well as cool sportsbook style concept called build your bankroll playactionpools.com your new home for all office sports pools love that guy maddie p yeah because he looks at everything very differently than we look at oh yeah 100 yeah. percent. that's why I lo- that, that's what i love about mike the other thing i love about mike is there's no bs there whatsoever at all no just like this is what's wrong with the kid or this is what's this is the upside this is the downside Mm-hmm. Everything I like, I don't know, like as like a lawyer. Yeah. Like it's he's on nobody's side. It's kind of mm-hmm. nice to know that he cares about uh his Connecticut folk, though. Well, especially as you know, he's sort of like, you know, national recruiting expert, right? So in Connecticut, not exactly a national recruiting hotbed. So I I think he he definitely takes pride in that, which is which is cool to see. And it is nice to see that, you know, Wisconsin does, you know, occasionally recruit Connecticut when they're over there hanging out in Jersey and New York, picking up guys like you. So, <laughs> so we know you're going to be in the house. Let's talk. Let, let, let's break it down a little bit more, Matt. So, last game against Eastern Michigan, we we finally saw the reemergence of Jalen Berger. What do you, what are you looking for out of the running backs this weekend against Notre Dame? And what what do you think they need to do? And how do you think they're going to be utilized? Well, you know, I think it's so it's so great that we just had Mike on because what he's saying that we have to get to the second level. That, that's got to be an emphasis, right? Like those guys aren't that good. They're not that big at linebacker. I'm, they're, they're probably really good. They're just not as good as we've seen or as good as the Penn State guys are phenomenal. You know, so if we can get through that sec, that front line, you know, get up and we can have guys get up on the second level, man, I, I, you know, he says we have to run the ball, but that plays right into what we do. You know, they have a little bowling ball, but we have one of the best defenses and we tackle very well is that is, that's what I think. So, you know, I'm looking for the O line to really step up this week to know that you know this is a challenge. These guys are bad. Be- These guys are better. You're the guys breathing in your face are the best guys. You get up on the second level, like lick your chops. You can crush those dudes. I remember, like Coach White's like, listen, if you don't see a linebacker and there's a DB standing there, dude, eat like go crazy. And I used to love that when you knew you were going to block a strong safety. Dude, I loved it. You got a corner? You get to hit a corner finally? You never could touch these dudes in practice. I never touched Jimmy Leonard. It's like, I don't know, you like walk into an all-you-can-eat buffet and you just haven't eaten in a month. <laughs> I, I, I think that's really interesting because 
to me, it's like, okay, so like Notre Dame's strength on defense, besides Hamilton, the safety is that defensive line. So it's like they've got to earn to get that second level, right? They, 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 they've got to defeat that, you know, they have to, they have to eat their vegetables, which yeah. is <laughs> the, which is the defensive line. And once they get that, get into the second level, get into those linebackers, get into those, you know, secondary players. That's the dessert. That's the good stuff right there. But, but, but also what Mike said is I've seen a lot of like maybe typical a gap running, like we've been doing. And I don't know if that works against a good line and we have to find other is that we have to run the jet sweep. They don't have fly guys who can fly and the jet sweep worked against Penn state. And those guys are flying around. So I think we have to bring back the jet sweep. I have, we have to disguise it, put Garendo in. We, you know, what's weird is I didn't never know. I never know. It's probably not part of coach Chris game plan where we, we don't really go five wide receivers. We don't motion like a, a, a running back to be a slot receiver. I find that very interesting. You know, if that plays to Graham's like what he was very happy with, not saying that we have to do that, but I just, it's weird that we don't have an empty set. We used to, you know, we always ran, we did an empty set and we would always run um, like a QB, you know, QB draw. Yeah. So, but I, I think, yes, you got to lick your chops. You got to know, Deep, you know, running backs. Hey, you guys get through the second level, like be patient. The front level is really good. Let those gaps open up. Let the holes open up. If you get to the second level, no, like you can, you can blow it out. Like you can bust it out, but you know, we have to have some big plays too. You know, I'm tired of watching like seven, eight yards is our best. I want to see a 50 actually Garendo. I want to see more of those. Yeah. Right. So well, and Malusi had the one sixty yarder, but man, he got run down from behind. That was embarrassing against Eastern. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Come on, you can't get run down by like a by a safety from a Mac team from behind. Yeah, you really can. No, and that, that was that that was unacceptable. Yeah. And that see, and, and that's the difference between a guy like a guy like JT, a guy like Melvin, even Monty. I don't think those guys are getting run down from behind. You know, it makes you very special to not get run down from behind. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. really does. You just named three of probably our best running backs. Almost ever, you know, Ron Payne wasn't really getting run down from behind, and he was like 280 pounds. Well, yeah, well, well, the difference with Ron was that even if you did run him down from behind, he you would just shrug you off. He would just <laughs> yeah. shrug you off, and like, you know, you're not going to tackle him. Come yeah. on, now. the only guys who could carry, who, who could chase him down were too little to even bother him. Yeah, um, but I think you know the run game to me has to be part of our game plan, and it always needs to be part of our game plan, right? You know, we spoke about Graham's not having the best. But I would just keep saying, dude, go out and have a good time. But we have to open it up. We have to get him confident, throw some slants right away, get a rollout going, get one of those under routes from the tight end. We don't do any of those. Roll it, you know, like what's some play action where he rolls out, the tight end comes from underneath. I love those plays. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're, 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 they're simple, they're effective. Simple. And- we used to do that with the fullbacks, we used to do that with the halfbacks. You know, just do it with these guys. Just do it with everyone. Do it until they were like, dude, it's coming again. Like, if it keeps working and it keeps getting yards, let's keep doing it. You know, I think we have to find a way to throw the ball down the field at least one time. And that's the thing, right? Because even the threat of the downfield throw will loosen up the defense and maybe give them that extra split second that they need to, you know, it. In, so that you know they can get an underneath release a couple plays later, so that they are not just completely coming downhill at the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah, yeah. And and Jack, I, I watched. First off, Purdue played really well. They did. It's them. My so, neighbor, my my neighbor, my neighbors are Purdue alums, and they and they drove up to the game. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. They played really well. I'm not going to lie. And um, they had pressure on Jack, and Jack, but Jack just kept throwing it. He's like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to throw it deep again. And he and those guys were open. But you know what? With the pressure, it's hard to step into a throw. We have to get pressure on it. I don't know if we switched over, but we got to get pressure on I think we. I think their O-line looked really poor to me. I mean, that's that's my from from what I saw against um, the Purdue game, they looked good. They looked like their heads were like bobbleheads, like all over the place looking, and they had no idea where to keep their eyes. I say, let's take advantage of that. Let's do some twists in the lines. Let's bring some random dudes, but let's make sure that when we bring pressure, we know that we need to be back. I think that's what happened at Penn State. We had guys running up. I don't know if that was. You know, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, is that the coverage? Like sometimes you have like that guy playing like um like a like a, you know, like Scott Nelson playing like a spy position to pick up something short. If that's true, then he doesn't have deep support. I don't know if that's what they're doing. I don't think so. But I think you know, we can't give up those big plays. And it's going to be interesting to see both Hicks and Wilder are on the injury report is questionable. Neither of them played against Eastern Michigan. Um, Hicks, you know, Hicks kind of came into the season as, you know, corner one alongside Caesar Williams. And he got burned against Penn State. Like, you know, he, he was covering Dotson for the most time and Dotson got the best of him. Like Dotson got the best of him for most of that game. And. I'm interested to see against a lesser set of receivers what they scheme up. Are they going to stick with a sort of a, a man coverage or are they going closer to are, are, are they going to switch up to do more zony type of things or I'm I'm curious to see what what Jimmy's going to do in that regard. And I'm also curious to see what how they how they bring pressure from the linebacker position, especially with Chanel back. Now Chanel is back this week, which is good news. Starting inside linebacker, missed the last couple games because of COVID. COVID, yeah. And he led the team in sacks last year from the middle linebacker position, which is you know Wisconsin's one of the few teams in the country that typically has a middle linebacker way up there in sacks. I mean, we saw it with Chris Orr, we've seen it yeah. with Chanel, we've seen it with some other guys before. Sitchy, yep. and now he has that weapon in his playbook again, right, or, or, or in his holster. And and Notre Dame hasn't seen it. Correct. Yeah, uh, it's not on tape not this, this year. year. Yeah, they saw it last year, but not which is going to be important. And so with Henningsen playing well, with you know Benton still you know a, a force in the middle, what you know how are they going to employ Chanel in the pass rush? Herbig's still going to be a big part of the pass rush as well. They're going to cycle in some other guys, but I'm curious to see, are they going to try to overload one side of the line? Because especially like Patterson at, at center is a really good player for Notre Dame, but the left side of the line, Carmody has been injured. He's been sort of in and out. They had to start Baker last week and he was, he was the guy that was really getting beat up. Zeke Carell at the left guard position. I think they're really going to be going after the blind side, the left side of that offensive line. And I'm curious as to see, you know, just what's going to be schemed up by coach Leonard. I mean, I'm, I'm always excited to see what Jimmy's going to bring to a game. I think this is, I mean, this is make or break our season. I mean, every, I think a lot of things ride on this game. One, it's huge. We're playing Notre Dame, right? No matter where they're ranked, that's Notre Dame, and they've been on a pedestal 
forever since they said no to the Big Ten. They say no to everything else. Um, you know, like Rudy is a movie about Notre Dame. I actually love that movie. But so like they have everything going for them. And we, I just think, dude, if we come out and we have a good time and we play Badger football, dude, this is a huge game. We're playing at Soldier Field. We've had success in these type of games. Maybe not playing in Dallas, but playing up here, we've had success. Yeah, at Lambeau, we beat LSU. We beat LSU in a, in a fist fight. And I think this will be the same. Fist fight. It was a rock fight. <laughs> like, <that> was... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think this is a, a the exact same thing. You know, Mike said 2017. I agree. I think it's Badgers, though. But I think it is a fist fight. I don't think anyone's scoring 50 points, uh, especially on us. Our defense is way too good. I don't think – I would be surprised if anyone scores – over 30 this year on us. There's not that many good offenses in the Big Ten, at least. No, definitely so, not. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Jimmy does. I think, you know, I said it before. I think our defense scores. I think that's how we win. So I'm, I'm excited. I love that guy. And he's going to come after Jack. And I think he knows Jack, right? He's, he was going against him all the time. Coached against him for four we years. Have, we have some of that. You know, I do think the X factor is Jack. I'm nervous about, you know, I don't want Graham to be like, this is a huge stage. I have to step up to, to that stage. He doesn't need to, like he doesn't, the pressure's not on you, dude. Just chill out a little bit. I, I feel like we've all put a lot of pressure on him, but like, let's put some pressure on the coaching staff. The play calling is to me is not where it needs to be. They got to get him in to be comfortable and they got to get him out of the pocket. When they were getting pressure, we didn't, we didn't put an extra guy in there to block. So so I feel like we need to do these things and we need to be able to react during the game. But yeah, man, I, I think Jack's an X factor. I'm a little nervous about him because he's, he's a, he's a very poised quarterback who I don't think will be too excited about. He will be so pumped this week and come out and be calm and collective. That's what I think. And like Jack's been in big games. Like Jack was a starter against the orange bowl in the Orange Bowl against Miami, and we were 12-1. and one. Like, when we went into the Big Ten title game undefeated against Ohio State, he was the starter. Like, you know, he, he's been in plenty of big games. So I'm, I would not be worried about Jack, at the, uh, you know, if, if I was Notre Dame. Now, you, you talked about the coaching staff. I am going to keep banging the same drum here about Coach Rudolph. And there are two things I want to see this week. I don't want to keep seeing swapping centers. I want Tipman to start, and I want Tipman to play the whole darn game. Pro football focus grades also bear that out. Joe Tipman has been graded as our best offensive lineman this year. Caden Lyles, his backup, who's got in plenty of snaps, has been graded out as the worst offensive lineman. Get... Tipman in there, let and just let him let him go. Keep the keep just the first team offensive line in there. But if Tyler Beach keeps getting beat, don't hesitate to put Logan Brown in. Please just put Logan Brown in. I want to see like I don't know. I, I'm gonna you know I, I I'm on my islands. I want to see that. You talked about going empty set five wides. I want to see him at least go. I'd like to you know four wide receivers plus Jake Ferguson. You know, we, same thing. You know, Ferguson will line up in the slot occasionally. Put DK and Chandler out there. Put in all guys who we know are pass catching options. Jack Dunn's a great kid, 
but he's he he's a he's a skinny midget and you know <laughs> i i i'm sorry like I, jack everything that you re- i read about you is that you are a wonderful human being and right. I, i'm very happy to hear that but devin chandler and chimri dk in the open field as athletes are just leaps and bounds better i want to see the ball in the hands of devin chandler i want to see them be able to get the ball to Pryor and DK a little bit more as well. We know Davis and we know Ferguson are going to get their catches. Great. But I want to see that. I, I want to see the offense get it to other guys so they just can't, so that Notre Dame's defense can't just key in on those two guys. I think Hamilton is going to be tasked with dealing with Ferguson, which might take Ferguson out of the game. And that's Mertz's number one guy that he always looks to. So what are you going to do then? Are you going to just force feed Davis? Well, they're, they're going to key in on that pretty quickly as well. So I'm hopeful that they get it to those guys and they can get it to those guys in new and unique ways. Are we going to see some some quick screens? Can we use some screens to the running back to get a guy like Garendo in space? If you remember, he was a high school wide receiver. He wasn't a running back when he first came to Wisconsin. He was a wide receiver. So we would at least hope that he has some hands. So I'm just, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm not cautiously pessimistic. I'm cautiously cautious at this point. <laughs> I'm nervous because I hate when we lose and I'm at the game. There's it's like the worst. Doors. It's the worst feeling. Because you just like, you know what? It's what time it's going to be like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, it's time to go home back to the hotel and see if I can switch my flight. It's There's just nothing yeah. good about losing the game. And, and that's not why I want to win. I want to win because I love the Badgers. And I think they should win. Um, but I, I hear you. I, I'm looking, if I had to say something I'm actually looking, I want to see the offense just come out of its shell. In whatever way Coach Chris thinks that that is the way, I want them to do it. I haven't seen more than I feel like our basic package. And to me, that's weird. You have to win the first game. We were in the basic package. Against Eastern Michigan, you could run Madden plays. It doesn't matter. But we have to continue. We have to. We had our two weeks. People should be fresh. We got we to gotta see something better than what we have. Open the freaking playbook. Open it up. Or if, like Mike says, if the run game is going to be there, let's, let's flip it. Let's go barge formation, man. Bring in an extra offensive lineman. Two tight ends. Two fullbacks. Like, just absolutely bludgeon them and that way you take hamilton their their best defensive player out of it and you overload on their strength of the defensive line you know we've seen you know i imagine it would be someone like cormac samson who has played every position on the offensive line coming out he started as a blocking tight end his freshman year bring him out as an extra lineman get him in there bring out bring out someone i want to see some more hayden rucci as a blocking tight end he's big physical Mm -hmm. kid He's done great when he's been in there. I'd like to see more of him as well. Uh, Eschenbach, the second string tight end, is questionable for the weekend as well. If he's out, we're going to see more Kunda Finrucci. I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. So I'm just, I'm nervous. I'm going to be on edge literally the entire week. I'm, I'm, to, I'm already irritable. To, I'm already irritable. <laughs> you would have to kill me to not play in this game. Like if I'm questionable, which I know that they have to put some kind of tag to, but I'd be like, yeah, dude, I'm questionable, but I'm 100% playing. You could put the O next to my name and I am a 100% playing. 
Like, dude, I'll take 25 Advils and like 30 heartburn pills because you had to offset that to take 25 Imodium ADs to offset taking all these other drugs <laughs> to, to then just be like, you know, doc, give me the Toradol shot and then I'm playing. Yeah. And at that point, you know, I'm going to have a great game. Now, the the, one, the second the game's over, I'm going to crash and burn. Better get me to the hospital quick. But, I, you know, I, I'm always interested about these questionable you know, like I think these guys will play, but we got to get that we got to get that playbook open, and and make it look pretty. And you're right, we I haven't seen a lot of 22 personnel, so like we're 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 pretty much like really in the same personnel. We're not really mixing it up, and that to me is just weird. It's bizarre. I don't know, I don't know what is where this lack of creativity is because Coach Chris to me was not ever like this. He was very creative. Yeah, he's extraordinarily creative. Yeah. It's very strange for me. So, all right, Matt, you, you got the Badgers by a field goal in this one? I like the 24-17. 24-17, Badgers by a touchdown. That's a cover. I think Badgers are currently favored by five and a half, which is oh, strange. Then, then that's ba- not right. That's not right. The Badgers never cover. That's why The I Badgers never cover. This is why I don't bet, because the only time I say, oh, today I might bet, they will do it, and then every other time they never cover. No. And... I when I do lay a wager down, it's never on the Badgers because I I already have enough emotionally invested in them that I can't be financially ruined by them as well because then my entire brain will short circuit and I won't be able to be here with you next week and that would be so a problem. You will, you will then be a Jets fan. Oh, listen, man, I'm a Bills fan. I've this is the first time we've had hope had hope since Jim Kelly retired. But Maybe since the Music hope. City Miracle, but you, that's a four-letter word you have. I have a lot of other four-letter words that are not hope. Listen, in the last twenty-two years, I've had most of those same four-letter words. So yeah, even then, though, even fair. to start this season, though, Josh Allen has looked like crap. He has looked like well, absolute junk, which you should know something about because you have Zach Wilson. Yeah, so you know, like it's funny you preach into a choir. I feel listen I feel bad Zach Wilson is to me the Graham Mertz of the like he is he's been put in a situation that is a was a sloppy mess that will not be taken will not be cleaned up for a couple years and he has to just grit and bear it right now like he doesn't have play guys around him they finally figured out that the guy they drafted I don't know why we're talking about this but the guy they drafted as a running back can actually play football and they finally started passing it to him and running it with him. Just doesn't make sense. Like, I just don't understand. Man, maybe we should just wheel up a couch onto the sideline and just coach from the couch. And just hey, like, man, I'm here for it. Coach I'm Chris, here for it. Put in all the fat guys. Run the all ball. All of to- them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> have the center snap it to Jalen Berger and have 10 huge guys all line up on the right. That's what you got to do. Here's what we've got. We've got the five offensive linemen. We have the, uh, we've got the four, three backup offensive linemen, two fullbacks in the halfback. And what could possibly go wrong? Right. And they were saying that the backup fullback was a solid dude. So why aren't we seeing personnel where two fullbacks are in? Like why, you know, I don't know. Hold on. By the way, by the way, the university of Wisconsin, Fans and fan bases are probably the only fan base in the country that's saying, why aren't we seeing the backup fullback more? 
They're the only team with a backup fullback, probably. Uh, uh, yeah, triple option teams are probably the only other ones. So those guys, those are halfbacks who put their fingers down in the ground. That doesn't count. True. True. All right. Well, I, I think I, on that note, uh, more backup fullbacks. I think we're going to end it for today. Matt, have a very safe journey uh, out to Madison. Or sorry, out to Chicago, I should say. Um, and we're going to try, uh, for all you listeners out there, we're going to hopefully, uh, during tailgating time, we're going to try to do a little Instagram live session with Matt uh, going around, seeing some former Badgers, and uh, getting to you guys live. So, uh, until then, uh, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.